You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Welcome to Digital Noise. I'm back again with Aaron. It just turned out that way. We had a couple in a row. Lucky Aaron shows up for the last recording. I send him home with another stack. I think this is the third time in a row that I love where I come here and you send me back home with just a fresh stack. And that's okay. I know it's because he left me. Yeah, sure. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not because I'm the one who's available. Yeah, it is. It is awfully convenient that you show up for other things as well. I'm like, oh, take some movies while you're here. Uh, uh, Man, I got to tell you, there have been so many. I mean, you've seen these things come fast and furious, the digital noises over the past two months or so. And that's because they just keep sending us stuff. And this show is no exception with lots of home releases to talk about both TV and movies, some really big, big stuff, and some stuff that is so bad that we are going to have a great time talking about it. Oh my gosh, yes, so bad. But before before we get started, before we get started, uh, let me just say thanks to our, our uh, sponsor, Oscar Blues Brewery. Yes, look. In full disclosure, they do provide us with beer, which is awfully nice. Right now, we are, in fact, drinking their beer. I'm drinking their uh, Old Chub Scotch Ale that says, It's like Sputnik on the top and a virtual planetoid. It is really delicious and very strong. Like, the very definition of an acquired taste, but it's so funny how many people have turned on to it. First I'm a like, huge fan of the Scotch Ale. That's my preference. But you got the Dale's Pale Ale. i the Pale Ale. Which was the first craft brew in a can. And my particularly favorite thing is the recycling uh, logo has pack it in, pack it out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, which just sounds vaguely dirty, and I enjoy that. These guys are cool. They're a cool company. They do all sorts of neat stuff. They they don't just manufacture beer. They manufacture sodas. They manufacture uh, bicycles, believe it or not. They make bikes. Isn't that a weird extra thing to have there? Uh, barbecue stuff, like dry rubs and things. And uh, as well as, of course, a huge amount of merch. If you go to their website, OscarBelus.com, you'll see a lot of the stuff you can check out there, as well as their full list of beers, of which they have many, 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 many. If you get a chance to actually go to one of their brew pubs, uh, which there's two in Colorado, one in Austin, and one in North Carolina, you can try out some of the beers you can't even get in the can. Like my personal favorite they have uh, right now is the 1050, which is a stout that they have cascaged at the brew pubs. And it is like, oh, my God, good. Like, holy shit, good. Like, like, go kill your mother because Satan told you to. Good. I'm sorry. I'm sitting here trying really hard to make it like it. So it's what three times three fifty? Yeah, I guess it's. <laughs> I always it's ten fifty, and I always like. It makes me think of the Loch Ness monster yeah. sketch, right? That's exactly where my mind went. Yeah, I was like, I would have just called it that. But anyway, um, yeah, they're really good. They are our sponsor. Please be good to them. Go out. You can get their beers in the can in a variety of different stores. Check out their brew pubs and post some pictures online with a at one of us net, which is our Twitter account. And you should like us, follow us on Twitter if you're not yet. And uh, at, at Oscar Blues. So let me just throw out there real quick. We have presences where we throw a variety of stuff that doesn't match. It's, you know, like different stuff depending on the site. On our Instagram, we put up special stuff. On our Facebook, we put up special stuff. On our Twitter, we put special stuff. So check out all that, all that stuff. And as well, don't forget, Digital Noise has its own unique 
iTunes feed now. You can just subscribe to iTunes if you want, or to, to Digital Noise if you want, although we have so many other great shows up there. I would you. There's so many good things to listen to. But also, that reminds me, thank you to the subscribers. Uh, you're the only reason we can do this, and we can have all of this content. I mean, really, this is... Guys, you have no idea the degree to which this is like two full-time jobs on top of each other. And I have to do part-time work on the side just to pay for everything because it's expensive running this thing. It really is. And we need your help. Even if you're like, I don't know how many more shows I would have time to listen to. You know, I appreciate that if I become a uh, a subscriber, I get all this bonus content. Then there's tons of it in there uh, on the forums uh, at oneofus.net. Uh, extra bonus stuff you get if you become one of our four tiers of subscriber. But hey... Think about it this way. That's your subscription, regardless of whether or not you have time to listen to those extra shows, is what's paying for these shows. It's the reason we can do this. Please, at two, five, ten, or $25 subscription models, honestly, fit the one that fits your budget. I mean, come on. You already know you're thinking, would I even miss five bucks missing out of my account every month? Just automatically drawn? I wouldn't have to do anything. I just know it's me saluting and giving my support to one of us. I, I, I honestly... I get access to all the shows through adminning the forums, and I still do my subscription. And it, I think of it like crowdfunding. It's funny it's how many like, how, yep, how, how many how many of the people who actually work on the site insist on continuing to be a subscriber because yeah. they're like, I love listening to all the shows, so it, I don't it, care. It makes me happy when I get my little once a month PayPal. Hey, you paid five dollars, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, but I also get to watch a ton of movies for free. Yeah, so that's do, nice too. <laughs> All right. Well, without any further ado, let's get to the reviews. And let's start off with one of the biggest releases of, well, the year on Blu-ray. I wouldn't be surprised if this is going to break all kinds of records. Uh, hasn't it already? I, I, I don't, not that I've seen, but I, I mean, come on. Are you going to be surprised if it doesn't? I, su- I suspect at Christmas time that number is what's going to put it up over the edge. But that is Avengers Infinity War. Because if you are a geek for the Marvel Universe like I am... You're like, well, first off, this is easily the best of the three Avengers films. Like, like hands down, the best of the three. And it's in the top five of all Marvel films, period. I would give you that as well. It has one of the more nuanced villains. It's has a really interesting story structure because it's one of those movies where, yes, it has all of the Avengers in it, but like... Ultimately, I kind of feel like Thanos is the actual protagonist of the film. Oh, yeah. Even, even, like, uh, like it's his journey. Even the Russo brothers have said, yeah, it's a movie about Thanos. Yeah. It's, it's, he is the main character. I, I was trying movie. to explain it to my dad, and I was, I was telling him that, like, part of it is difficult because it's, it's a lot more emotionally trying of a movie than the other Avengers have been. Oh, certainly. There's humor. There's actual emotion. It, it's basically, the Avengers fighting a losing battle, like the entire film, just where they're just like, we're just trying our best to survive the sequence. And that's what every fight is versus them choosing to go in and we're going to do this and we're going to win. It's like, just shit, man. Let us make it through the next day, please. Yeah. And, uh, I and mean, un- un- against the most incalculable odds yeah. they've ever been up against. I mean, when your movie opens, with, uh, you know, this is literally the first five minutes of the film, guys, so don't get too upset if you haven't seen it yet. Your movie opens with Thanos, like, handily bitch-slapping the shit out of the Hulk, like, where Hulk has no choice, beating the shit out of Thor, and murdering Loki. You're like, 
this is going to be a problem. <laughs> I'm surprised you gave that away. Yeah, the, that's like, first five minutes of the film. Like there are there are two. I'm going to call it permadeaths. Probably in the first sequence of the movie. Probably. Yeah, I, I, I'm guessing. I, in fact, my general guess here is, and not to, and no more specifics past that is that. Anyone who doesn't die in the end sequence, and you guys have already heard that this gets really dark towards the end. So, yeah, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of known characters, quote, die. Anyone who doesn't die in that sequence but dies before it, they're dead. That's my call. So, it's funny. I saw this movie, I think, maybe two or three weeks after I did a review here for Justice League, Mm -hmm. where I was defending Justice League and going like, no, Justice League was... It's not good, but it's fun. And then I went and saw Infinity War, and the moment you see uh, Obsidian Midnight, or the the one of the villains, yeah, I think it's uh, Obsidian Midnight, isn't it, or something like that? Yeah, and it's somebody famous who's voicing that character too. I think it's like a, it's something Obsidian and something Raven like, but it, it's uh, he's this old kind of elfin she. wizard, and. The way they handle that entirely CG character and Thanos and all of his children. Proxima Midnight. Time, Proxima Midnight. That's Carrie Coon. Who are all... No, no, no. Not Proxima Midnight. The, the one who's Obsidian. kind of like the... the like, like Cole Obsidian. Is Cole Obsidian. Yeah, yeah. But the moment I saw him, I was like, oh, never mind. I take everything back about... Justice League, I said, because instantly I bought into a world where gods and aliens and super soldiers all exist at the same time. I don't understand how anyone could watch Justice League and then watch this and go, well, you know, they're on the same level. Oh my god, it's not even in the same fucking ballpark. They're not even playing the same game. It's just so significantly better made in every way. Well, and the, the action is so intense here. There is a fight against Thanos that happens in the third act with a set of characters who I'm not going to name, and it ends up boiling down to a one-on-one fight between him and one of the original Avengers. Mm -hmm. And it is such a desperate fight because that Avenger in no way can take him. It's it is more drama than I have seen in the entire DC pantheon. Yeah, they really found a way to bring emotion into it to make all the characters be feel very represented with yeah. who they are as personalities in this universe, with what they're capable of. Uh, I, I mean, there's all the feels here for sure, despite a certain amount of like, yes, yes, we all know that most of these people are not going to be well, really dead. I mean, yeah, let's but, yeah, let's call it half of the people who die already are filming their sequels. Yeah. So we know they're going to come back, but that doesn't take away the impact of what happens in this movie. Yeah, agreed. And the one thing I will say is I keep hearing people saying, like, this is part one of two. And, like, originally it was going to be part one and part two. Because there is clearly more to tell. Isn't it weird they haven't even named the second one yet? But, like, this is a complete film. It's a well-structured beginning, middle, end movie. There is no... It's not like Harry Potter Part 1 or The Hunger Games Part 1 where they, like, clearly there's an unfinished story. They finish the story. Yeah. It's just... It's Thanos' story. Yeah. 
And I will say to people who have not seen this and maybe are coming to this from the, I'm an old school comics reader. I remember loving the Infinity Gauntlet. I can only assume this is nothing like it. And yeah, of course, it's very different because they built these characters up in a very different direction. But this movie is filled with direct callbacks to the original Infinity Gauntlet story run. Like even like visual stuff where it's like, wow, that's a frame from Infinity Gauntlet right there. That's very cool. I will say, and this is not a negative it's just something to be aware of. This is the first time I've watched a Marvel movie where I've gone, you know, they are in no way trying to catch us up. You have to know what's going on in the Marvel universe. I mean, I, if you don't watch Thor, you don't understand why we, Thor is in space. We'll see. Is. Like, I mean, this is so good and so one of the best superhero movies ever made. But I know a lot of you guys are like, yeah, I mean, I like the occasional superhero movie, but I don't want to watch everything. Great. You don't have to. You have to watch Thor Ragnarok, which you will not regret because that's my favorite Marvel film, period. Civil I, I, War. You have to watch Civil War. Uh, and I would argue Winter Soldier and Civil War, which are the, are, are also in the, both yeah. in the top then, five as well. Avengers 1 and 2. You don't even have to watch those, really. They reference stuff in it, but very obliquely. I would say just those three movies, though. The second two Captain Americas and Thor Ragnarok, which, like I said, make up the troika of the rest of the top five, pretty much. That's right, because the Vision and... uh, He is in Civil War, and that's where he gets a lot more emotional play. So I, I give it to you. You're right. I, I, it really is worth going at a time. This is excellent filmmaking. The Russo brothers are just getting better with every movie they make. Now, if you want to hear even more detailed geekery about this, we did a Highly Suspect Reviews on the site where we did a full review of this thing. Highly Suspect Reviews, or theatrical reviews, also has its own iTunes feed, for the record, so you can set up for, to add that as well. Uh, don't forget to give us five-star reviews on both of them. Uh, anyway... The Blu-ray, as it were, which, of course, is available as just Blu-ray. It's available as Blu-ray and DVD. It's available as Blu-ray and 4K. Uh, comes with its own set of extras here. There's an intro with directors Joe and Anthony Russo talking about a few things about the movie. There is Strange Academy, which... Uh, looks at bringing together how hard it was to really tie in all the stories from all these different characters, because it's almost every Marvel character that's not presumably dead or in jail is in this. There's the Mad Titan, which goes really into Thanos and Josh Brolin's performance in it. There's Beyond the Battle Titan, which is a look at uh, the the major battle with quite a few of the characters against Thanos on Titan, which is a, a real high point of the film. Beyond the Battle Wakanda, the other big battle. Honestly, like... You remember the first time we saw Return of the King and that when it goes into the giant, the, the, what is it, seven armies? This is that in the Marvel universe. It's just insane levels of like, this is as close to perfect as we've gotten yet of CG integrated with live action, huge, ridiculous, awesome battle stuff. The, The Titan battle is the only time in any superhero film I've ever actually gone this legitimately feels like a huge epic comic book sequence where people are using powers left and right, and it's believable from beginning to end. Agreed. Uh, there's 10 minutes uh, over of deleted scenes. It's really best... Like, I mean, the best thing to say about it is that there's uh, a scene with John Favreau that was cut, his character Happy, which doesn't have to be here, uh, but it's cute. And then there is a Guardians uh, of the Galaxy sequence that is genuinely funny. I mean, it's well worth watching, but 
it it wouldn't have fit in the movie at all. I totally mm. see why they removed it. But there's several other scenes there. There's a gag reel for two minutes, which is unfortunately taken the same way that almost every Hollywood release gag reel is this day. That it's like it's just like a miniature music video with like them people making goofy faces set to music. You know, it's just with the occasional flub line. Uh, and then there's an the audio commentary by the Russo brothers and the writers, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. They go deep into every detail of the shoot. So anyone who really wants to see, wow, how did you pull off this magic act? Well, Which, there you, go. you know, there are a couple of guys I would like to watch a commentary with them. Indeed. Uh, next up, we have a, another superhero film. This is the uh, new Blu-ray uh, and DVD anim- DC Animated Universe adaptation of The Death of Superman. That's called The Death of Superman. Now, there already was a DC Animated Universe movie release of this story that sucked. Uh, I think it was, it was called Doomsday. It was Superman Doomsday. And what's funny is when it came out... I remember people were like, this is actually kind of good. It's just a lot of action because our standards were lower. I mean, it was earlier on in the DC animated. It was their like, first. Was it the, no, it, it wasn't was, the first one. It was their first. Was it? I don't, I th- no, 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 no. The first one was the one that was by Darwin Cook. No, no, that was second. It Are you sure? Say Darwin Cook, Batman, Wonder oh, Woman. Okay, I'll take your word for it. I, I but s- it's not good. I, and I even went back, put it in, and I was like, wow, look how crappy the animation is comparatively even. And this isn't even super high-end animated, but it looks a fuck ton better than that did. And, well, that one's just shitty. It's just nonstop fighting with no stakes. This one, they went, and this is, of course, going to the classic if you will, depending on who you ask, uh, comics run of when they killed off Superman, when the character of Doomsday killed Superman. This is the first of apparently three films they're releasing in a row following... Oh, no, I I think there's going to be three. Because the second one is Reign of the Superman, which is coming out next year, and then they're going to put out The Return of Superman or whatever. It's interesting. Uh, This is in, and I think it's... Technically, the new—I put this in quotes—the new Fifty Two continuity because it, it is and it isn't like like when the new Fifty Two started. They all of their DC movies, barring a couple of exceptions since then, have been in one continuity. And I remember in the beginning it was pretty rough, but starting with like the Teen Titans movies, they actually have been pretty damn good. Yeah, for like the last four or five of them, and. I, and there was some frankly, before that. This continues the trend. Yeah, I, I I think this is excellent. Um, it, it's it's got elements of New Fifty Two Superman. It's got elements of a Rebirth Superman. It's got elements of before New Fifty Two Superman. It's kind of mashing up kind of a best of, but it's also doing the really smart thing of saying. If this isn't about the characters and their relationships with each other, nobody gives a fuck if Superman dies, and that's what they make it about. They yeah. make it about. Superman and his relationship with his friends and with Lois Lane. And I'll be goddamned if I did not get misty-eyed watching this fucking thing. Too. <laughs> it, it hooked me in. And honestly, I, <clears throat> all of them have been a little bit more violent since they've gone into this run. Like, they've embraced the PG-13. Sure. Uh, the, this, I, these are for teenagers and up. And I was shocked a few times by the level of violence in this movie. <laughs> It's bloody. It does. I mean, and it should be. It's the death of Superman. And it's a, when it finally starts going with him versus the giant, gradually getting spikier alien mutant from outer space doomsday. 
it just gets bloodier and bloodier and bloodier. But like I said, the film is smart enough to take its time before it feels like it has to rush into that. This is a lot of characters in this thing, but it also presumes to some extent, you know, who these people are. One of the things I like that they brought in from the Superman books is this really obscure character to people who are not big comics fans specifically named Bibbo, uh, Bibowski, who is the owner of a bar, who's the world's biggest Superman fan. He's like, this is, hey, he's a big, Brooklyn guys. Yeah, I love Superman. He's, he's the captain from uh, the Simpsons, basically. Right. Without a beard. <laughs> and, and he's like, he's been appearing in the Superman comics since I think like the sixties, like he here was, and there. He made a series too, a bunch. But he's one of those guys. I'm like, wow, we haven't seen him in a long time. I was kind of excited about that. Um, it, it starts introducing the characters that if you've read the comics, that like you know, after the death of Superman, a bunch of other. Are they Superman? Start appearing, and they start introducing some of the runs with it. what's going on with those guys. Like it starts with Hank Henshaw, yeah. you know, in outer space. You're like, wow, that was a weird choice to begin this movie with Hank Henshaw, who becomes what is it, the Eliminator or something like that? I yeah. I, uh, I read the death of Superman, and then I never really read after that. Okay, so I don't know. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I'm actually uh, really excited for the rain because. That's the part that I've never experienced. But I will say, uh, Jerry O'Connell, once again, playing Clark Kent slash Superman and doing a pretty good job of it. He's a pretty solid actor to do that. Uh, Rebecca Romjan, uh, who is his real-life wife, uh, playing Lois Lane, who in this continuity uh, of things is is uh, obviously already involved with Superman to some extent. Um, they have a neat sort of like... Clark is afraid to be honest with her that he's Superman. It's like Clark and Lois have a real relationship are really together, but he can't bring himself to tell her he's Superman because he's so worried that it's going to ultimately hurt her. And it's everyone else who is honest with their significant others, like Barry Allen going, dude, (laughs) there's a point that you got to realize keeping that secret's going to hurt a lot more than not. And it's, it's interesting from a structural standpoint, I see a lot of similarities between this and uh, Infinity War that we just talked about, where, like, yeah, we know from second one that ultimately this is going to be Superman versus Doomsday. Yeah. But it feels like the movie is a series of holding actions, whereas the weakest part of the original Doomsday Superman was, it was just bad action sequence for two-thirds of it. There's here's a fight where everybody barely makes it. And then there's another battle where a lot of people barely make it. And it's continuing to get more and more desperate before Superman finally has to show up. So they do a really good job of building everything to that really holy shit climactic end. Uh, We've also got uh, Rain Wilson stepping in as Lex Luthor, which is, I believe, the first time he's been part of one of these. This is a good job, too. I thought so, too. I'm always going to miss Clancy Brown, but, you know, it's it's an interesting new take on him. When they are playing that sort of, like, Lex who's, like, starting to come to terms with the fact that there are bigger problems than Superman out there. It's Lex like he gets to be and... um, the other Superman movie, All Star Superman, right? Which is which is also my very good. Lex, I don't like a mustache twirling villain. Lex, yeah, I like the Lex Luthor who legitimately thinks he is the good guy. Dude, the Lex they've been and doing in the comics since Rebirth, where he's like, I really want to be a hero, and I've realized that maybe I was, I, I, I have, I realized that psychologically I have issues with Superman I need to deal with, but the way to help people is not to constantly try and kill Superman. Well, I, I, I like investment. Even when he is trying to kill Superman, he's going like, no, you don't understand. 
either I'm killing you to help humanity because we're better off without you or because I don't trust you. Like, right. That's the most. You would think after the eight, eight thousandth alien invasion that no one but Superman can stop. Like, so <laughs> finally go, okay, maybe we're not better off without you. Anyway, uh, Diana Prince is Rosario Dawson, who I believe has played her before. I, I um, think she's, I think most of the actors are their new yeah, 52. Uh, Nathan Fillion has, of course, played Green Lantern before. He's kind of his thing now and he's, he's, he's back playing him again. Christopher Gorham playing Flash. Matt, Matt Lanter is Aquaman. Sh- Shamar Moore is Cyborg. Martian Manhunter. Hunter is Niambi. Niambi. His name is twice Niambi. Okay. Uh, Jason Amara as Batman, who definitely has played him before. Uh, and uh, yeah, I I gotta say this is a this is really solid. I, I yeah. was worried that this was just gonna be here we go again, but I'm like, wow, they found a way to finally sell this story. I think this sells it better than the comics does. Personally, uh, I was not a fan of the original comic plot line, so I agree. Yeah. This is a legitimately enjoyable animated movie. I can't wait for the other. I guess two parts of the Superman trilogy that they're making. And there's a, and not, there's a nine and a half minute look, a uh, sneak peek at Reign of the Superman, the next net list, next film, which really gives you a look at who all these characters are and who in the comics they were. There's the death of Superman, the brawl that topped them all for 16 and a half minutes, which is a bunch of DC regulars and martial arts and a martial ex- ex- arts expert discuss that history of that original four issue release with Superman and Doomsday and how they interpreted that using martial arts stuff and Mo, and like not mocap per se, but like in, they let actual martial arts training inform what they were doing, which honestly the fights look great here. Uh, and then there is, there's always stuff, old episodes of stuff. And so here it's Legion of Superheroes season two, Dark Victory part one and, and, uh, Dark Victory part two. And then just a bunch of trailers. So it, it I mean, I don't feel like, I still feel like they're still skimping on the bonus features to some extent compared to what it used to be like, but. Yeah, I agree. The, but, but it's still nice. But this is still really good. But the, you know, I mean, that's quite frankly the way DVDs have been going lately. They just, they've gotten a little lighter. It's true. All right. So, uh, you did not watch this. I know you are way behind on Arrow. I, I am now. Halfway through season five, so I'm almost there. Well, this is season six <laughs> that just came out on Blu-ray. I was, in fact, well, I can't, I keep saying, guys, I swear, this is a CW show, CW has a lot of superhero shows, uh, DC shows. I watch all of them, except Riverdale, which isn't superheroes technically, but give it time. And, and I hear Riverdale <laughs> is decent. Um, I hear it is too. I'm just like, I can only have so much time. Yeah. But I can't, I keep telling myself, Arrow's going to be the one I'm going to drop. Arrow's going to be the one I'm going to drop. And I keep watching it. And God damn it, I watched the rest of this one too. And no, it's not any better than your average season of Arrow. That's Green Arrow, the DC character, the Archer guy, that like, uh, for some reason they thought dropping the green was a, was a good idea from the title. Yeah. But uh, in this particular one... There are some advantages uh, to be had for sure. Uh, what's his name from Lost? Michael, uh, what's his name? He was like the, one of the the the, uh, the Islanders. <laughs> Not Michael Winslow. I was going to say Michael Winslow. He'd be like, oh, this is what a helicopter sounds like. No, not the Walt guy. Oh God! Now I meant you're to. You're talking re- about the big bad. Yeah, it, well, that's the thing. Is like he's one of those guys. You're like, is he the big bad? And then no, you're like, I mean, oh no, he's the not. Guy. Yeah, he was like ben. one of Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I don't know his real name. Michael, he's a person Mike, of interest. He's a good actor. Uh, Michael something. I can't. I, he's I, always I, the creepy guy from Lost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's always the creepy guy from Lost, and he's he, he's in this, and he's great. Where it's like, oh, the arrow is responsible for the death of my son. I'm forming a, a team of like super criminals, not. Superpowered criminals per se, except for alternate universe 
um, uh, 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 Black Canary. Because now the, the, that actress is black, back back as yeah. Earth Two Black Canary, who's evil. But this one's kind of about like the saving of her, like her and her dad going like, I know there's good in you somewhere, shit. Uh, but none of that stuff is really the appeal here. The real appeal here is the character Richard Dragon, who is played by the wonderful. Kirk Acevedo, who you might know from Band of Brothers or uh, uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, The Thin Red Line, um, uh, Twelve Monkeys, Fringe, all sorts of stuff. Oz, he's been in so many things. He's one of those guys, you see him, you know he is. And he plays this gangster who's got kind of like a sort of, I came from nothing and nobody's going to stop me from getting what I want. And he's fucking amazing in this season. He is so the strong point that they knew it and they gave him an, the first time they've ever done this on Arrow or any CW show that I'm aware of. There's a whole episode that none of the superheroes appear in. It's just him and Black Black Canary. Black Black Canary. <laughs> like, basically doing, like, getting, working their way up the criminal underworld chain. And it's just about the two of them. And it's a really good episode. And it was like, God damn. Like, this is... I, I watched this episode going, this is too good for the ZW, this episode. You know, like... So, uh, like I said, I'm in season five of The Arrow, which is significantly better than the atrocious season four that I stopped watching mm-hmm. halfway through. But Three and four are both pretty and, bad. And, and I'm, like, I'm actually really enjoying season five so far. Five's I'm not bad. I'm looking forward to watching this. I have to admit, though, I, I ha- I'm at this point where I kind of wish, with all of the CW shows, they would do, like, five seasons. And then just go, that's it. We're done. Mm-hmm. This is no longer a show. We're canceling this. Let's start a new show with an entirely new character. Agreed. And then have the arrow show up a little bit. And then cancel the Flash. Have somebody else do Blue Beetle. And then have the Flash show up I, once a I, season. I wish that every, every, yeah, I wish that every show had like a three season maximum. And then it would end, and they those characters would appear on other people's yeah. shows, and it would build the universe. I think that would be the best way they could. Well, what am I talking about? I'm not Dan Didio. I don't know. I'm like yeah. you know. I mean, like nobody's asking me, <laughs> but that would be awesome. Come I on. mean, they keep introducing new shows. There's Black Lightning last year. Now we're getting Batwoman coming up uh, the, uh, in this in this next season, where she's going to be introduced in the big crossover. Which would be great. I can't wait. Yeah, she's getting her own show. I think there's another one too. Wait, is she getting her own show? Oh yeah. Sweet. Yeah. It's Ruby Rose. Ruby Rose playing her. Um, Anyway, my point being, Acevedo sells it. There's some other stuff in here that's good. There's a lot of stuff that's boring and bad. God damn it, I wish these shows would switch to a 12 or 13 episode season. they would benefit. Oh, my God. Arrow feels like it's never going to end. There's so many goddamn episodes every season. It's like 29 episodes or something. That's the only reason why I'm not caught up is because you watch eight or nine episodes and you're like, okay, I'm... I'm, I'm ready for something different now. Yeah. It just goes on and on and on. But I will say this season's crossover with the other shows, The Crisis on Earth X, was like my favorite fucking crossover they've ever done. It was Nazi superheroes. It was a- Dude, it's so good. More on that with uh, in a future uh, uh, digital noise when we talk about the animated movie The Ray, which Ooh. takes place in a as a tie-in to that Earth X storyline. Anyway, yeah, this is fine. It's fine. It's better than season three and four. I don't think it's better than five, which even that, I'm like, it was okay, but not great. 
you know, do what you will. You know, if you're already watching it at this point, you're going to keep on watching it or, or you're not. I don't know. Fuck. What am I talking about? Oh, Deathstroke comes back. Everybody's like, yay, Deathstroke. And he's not really all that interesting in this season. You're like, <laughs> I really was hoping for more. They keep making like, it's like they, on these DC shows, every time they want to turn a villain into a good guy, they've got to be so fucking sappy. And they did it again with this. Like they did it with Captain Cold and now they're doing it with this. They're like, oh, I'm all sentimental now. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. The only villain turned into a good guy who's been any good at all is Rory. Was it Fire something on Legends of Tomorrow who's still a total asshole? Yeah. 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 Uh, Who's always kind of a bad guy. Yeah, exactly. Who just does good things. But there's like a 11 and a half minute look at the backstory and the history of Deathstroke on here. There is a look inside that big Crisis on Earth X crossover that went through all four shows. Uh, there is a story, the Revenge in Ones and Zeros, the story of Caden James, played by Michael Emerson is his goddamn name. <laughs> Thank you uh, for uh, 11 minutes, which looks at what a great villain he is. He is, but he's another one of those, like, he's like, if you know what I'm saying, that Netflix villain in the first episode of a season that doesn't quite make it to the end before they replace him with another villain, yeah. we were like, God damn it, I fucking don't want this to be a thing. Uh, and then there's a best of the DC Comic Con panels at San Diego, 2017, as you might expect. All right, well, let's move into something different. Actually, this one I contemplated just taking off the list because we're actually covering it on our next Deliberations of Doom. We're not not our next one that you guys will hear, the next one we're recording, uh, where we're doing modern streaming, new streaming horror that's available. This movie, Dead Shack, is available on the really, really fucking fantastic streaming site, Shudder, that's so cheap and is so, so well cultivated with not just horror, but thrillers and mysteries. It's just of the if I was to gauge how good is the collection of actual stuff on any streaming site, Shutter would win hands down. I, I actually agree, and and we are not endorsed by Shutter. We are not. No, I wish we if were. Anyone that works with Shutter, please pay us. Yeah, we would love um, that. Yeah, I signed up for it, and the amount of horror I antic like I debated for about a year on whether or not I was going to sign up because I remember when they first came out, going ooh. No, I don't like horror that much. <laughs> but now I'm and turning then, you into a fan. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm like, I've watched more horror in the last two months than I have in like the last year. Combined. Sorry, sorry about that. That's on me. That's totally <laughs> on me for sure. Uh, Dead Shack is a fun little comedy horror that was totally not on my radar whatsoever. Um, it's this family that doesn't really get along all that great heading out to the woods for a camping trip at a cabin. Well, we know how that goes. Yeah. With, like, it was, it was a family and then a random friend. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, the kids, uh, Summer played by Lizzie Boys, Colin played by Gabriel LaBelle, and, uh, uh, Jason, their buddy, who's the total nerd. And this is leaving out, so there's the dad who is an amazingly young-looking guy who I had to IMDB him because I was like, there's no way you're old enough to have these kids. He is. Uh, and his yeah. new... Donovan, uh, Donovan Stinson. If you watch a lot of TV, you've seen him and stuff. And his new about-to-be wife, who is played by... I don't see her name, but it is the girl protesting abortions in Juno. Which is all I could see once I saw her was Valerie the 15-year-old girl protesting abortions. No. Okay, well, anyway, uh, but the star that people recognize here is Lauren Holly, who plays the villain. And Lauren Holly, of course, has been in a ton of shit over the years. One of those people you see her and you go, oh, I know her. She was in, she was like the villainess and dumb and dumber. She was in Picket Fences. She's in the Picket villainous? Fences. 
Yeah, remember she's the one that the guy fell in love with, but then it turns out she was evil? I didn't remember she was evil in that. I think so. Maybe it's been a long time since I've seen yeah, Dumb Dumber. But I'm pretty sure she ended up being bad. Anyway, I could be totally wrong. Anyway, so they go out there, they're here, and it turns out that Lauren Holly is at a cabin nearby and she is kind of she's got a family of zombies that she is feeding by like taking out local camping teenagers and bringing them to her family often by seducing young like stupid boys and bringing them a house and uh it ends up this family versus her family yeah. sort of which it's it's the episode and every that shows up in every zombie show that you ever see where they find that one survivor who they have their family members who turn into zombies, but they don't want to say goodbye. Yeah. Um, it's the end of Shaun of the Dead. And, and I know that we're <laughs> revealing that she's the killer, but opening scene. It's pretty obvious like, early I on. think the third shot is her taking off her mask and revealing that she's the killer. But, like, this was a legitimately the very least, movie. The killing the facilitator. Part. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so I, I have to admit, there are... And I won't go into details on them because I don't want to spoil it. There's a decision that one of the characters makes that is so unbelievably stupid that no one would ever yeah. make that decision in the real world. And then which character the, are you talking about? The 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 kid who oh right right who reveals them to yeah yeah. And then the and then the dad is so dumb it's unbelievable. Then, yeah, yeah, but the, but the, he's a drunk. The so. dad is the shittiest movie dad who doesn't beat his kids you've yeah. ever seen. He's just a deadbeat. He's dad. just just drunk as shit the entire yeah. time. And he's dating like drunk the and hottest, um, but but also like bitchiest Asian chick. Yeah, ever. Like, <laughs> but like so here's the thing: like all the characters are kind of annoying, but. They're actually charismatic. So in their way, because they're written good dialogue, like they're dicks to each other. It's fun. So it's not that big of a deal. I I think this is, I mean, this is dumb, but, and it's really gorier than you expect a horror comedy to be. This one gets really grody. Because it takes its time. Yeah. It's, it's not that gory. It's not that gory. And then when it happens, it's holy shit. Whoa. Holy shit. And (laughs) creatively so. But, it never quite reaches in that point of being a horror comedy, specifically that point where anyone's going to look at this as an all-time classic. No. Uh, it is a, a really pleasant little surprise, though, where you watch it and you go, I was not expecting to enjoy this as much as I did. It ain't no Tucker and Dale versus Evil, like, but I, I certainly enjoyed watching it. I, had a good I time. think that its biggest flaw is that ultimately it's too slight a film. Yeah. And it ends up feeling like an extra long episode of The Walking Dead. Really? Like, like, like they just went fun. had a comedy episode. You know, like, like, like here's these, here's a side story that you never knew. Let's jump back yeah. to how the, the zombie virus started or something. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, like, but absurd. Like, like uh. that aside though, it is entertaining. Like, I would legitimately suggest people go check this out if you're into horror comedy. Yeah. You're not, it's not going to be the best movie you saw this year, but you're going to really enjoy watching it. I, I agree. I, I, I think like a lot of films on Shudder right now, uh, it's one of those movies and it's a Shudder original, which I, and I don't know if that means they paid for it or if they just picked it up. Yeah. I was but, confused about that too because we had the discs, but then I saw it on Shudder. Yeah. It's, I, it's listed on Shudder as a Shudder original, but then again, I watched another Shudder original the other day that was from like Turkey and I was like, yeah, clearly they didn't pay for this. I, so I will say though that like, so horror and comedy to me are the two genres that, you have to work the hardest at to get me to buy into it. Mm-hmm. 
because I I hate so much comedy that comes out and yeah, so much should. horror is just oh, we're like lazy. the same person. You're just 15 <laughs> years younger. <laughs> so, but I legitimately laughed a lot in this movie. I had a great time. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty fun. I think it's well worth your time. And we will talk about it more on uh, Deliberations of Doom in an episode coming up soon, where maybe not everyone will agree with that viewpoint. Uh, a movie I get. Why some critics really like this movie, but oh my god, I thought it was so fucking boring, is Flora. Flora is a um, 1929 set film that is putting the science as the double underlined uh, alphabetized thing in science horror. Uh, (sighs) This movie barely counts as horror. I feel like it's there. But the movie just wants to be taken serious. It's like, all right, so if you ever watch a horror movie with a friend who's like, or any movie with a friend who's like, has, who's happens to be in a position where like, let's say there are nurses in it or doctors and they're a nurse or a doctor. Like, no, you see, that's totally took me out of the movie because that's stupid. No one would ever use that procedure for doing that. They would do it this way instead. When those really annoying people who can't suspend their disbelief because it's their profession. I've been that person. I understand. But still, like I remember one time like giving a movie dropped star because I realized like the sci-fi technical thing they used in there as a machine was just a Zoom recorder. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, because I use a Zoom oh, yeah, recorder. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. kills it. Yeah. But uh, anyway, this is the movie for them where they're like hyper, hyper, hyper science, science, science. And it's not even mildly scary. These university botanists at 1929, they're going to meet up with their professor way out in the middle of an uncharted uh, forest. They, everyone's missing, start to realize people are dead, and they, real, they, they figure out there's some uh, quality to the plants there that is completely deadly. Um, and no, we're not talking about like the ruin or something. I mean, literally like a biological aspect that will eventually kill them. <sighs> yeah, no, I, I, I did not like it any more than you. I think I... <laughs> I might even have liked it less than you because this felt like somebody's first film, but totally. with really good gear. Like the, not there, even there's that, that good gear. Th- there's that thing where when you watch somebody's student film, where no matter what kind of camera they have, you can tell that they never think to put it on like a Steadicam or a dolly. All the shots are locked down. Yeah. And so the whole movie just moves at this speed. Because the camera never actually moves. Right. That was this movie. There's no sense of... The thing is, you can tell they have decent equipment. Yeah. You can tell the guy is thinking about every shot ahead of time, but he's only thinking about each shot in a static sense, not a dynamic sense. They they kept doing this thing where they would pull up with a drone, Mm -hmm. which it looked cool, but made no sense in the context of the scene. Yeah, I was like, use it, use it over here instead. It would actually work. And and those would be the few moments you'd even do something like that. There was no sense. Like there was just lots of like, let's have the actors move into the camera shot, not let's have the camera move. And I, I just, I did not understand it all the appeal that this film had for a lot of critics. It played a lot of festivals where it got decent reviews. And I just, I I found this such a trial to get through. Yeah. Like this felt like a student film. This, this feels like a filmmaker who might go on to make some interesting things down the line, but maybe this is not one of them. Maybe if they work with a different writer. Yeah. But even then, or 
better actors because the actors were not good. I mean, it's written and directed by the same guy. And the acting, like, there's one or two of the people I thought were not bad, but most of them were just, it, it, most of them, it wasn't even really where it felt like it was the fault of the actors. It felt like incredibly stilted dialogue that was supposed, that was trying so hard to be period, you know, like they were throwing in so many affectations of the period <laughs> that it was just like, this doesn't feel real at all. This just feels like actors being given this who have no idea how to play it with the director who's not helping them at all. No. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't yeah. recommend uh, no, for despite what a lot of people out there are saying. That blows me away that people like this. It kind of blows me away too, but what are you going to do? Uh, and then we have the Grindhouse Double Feature. Oh, I love it when I get these things because they're almost always garbage, but sometimes oh, they're the Chris. best kind of garbage. And this is by director S.F. Brownrig, uh, who is one of those guys that like got known for drive-in movies. In fact, his movie, Don't Look in the Basement, you've heard that title. Don't tell me you've never heard the title, Don't Look in the Basement, before because you have. Right. It's a, it's one of those ones that like you've seen posters for. You've probably been at like a schlock shop somewhere like Aaron's Rock and Roll on 6th Street and seen a postcard or a well, t-shirt with the cover of it. And it's clear the inspiration for Edgar Wright's don't yeah. trailer from Grindhouse. Exactly. Exactly. But that was our always paired at, at drive-ins with the last house on the left as a, a double feature of the original Wes Craven film. Uh, these two movies that are playing in this, in this Blu-ray set, uh, like I said, don't look in the basement and don't open the door. They're by the same director. Both of these are, I admit, I've seen a lot of these Grindhouse super low budget films. And I would argue that both of these are better than most of the Z grade horror that I've seen. I mean, I get why people still are watching these. I mean, I'll even admit, you? I kind of enjoyed Don't Look in the Basement. What? Yeah, I kind of did. <laughs> but, you know, in that way, it would have been better with robots in front of it. I don't deny that. You know? <laughs> you know what my key takeaway from these two movies were? This is, these are examples I can point to. Where I can say, see, bad movies were made in every generation. We just only remember the good ones. It's true. <laughs> There's a certain amount of like horror fans out there that love the stuff that is really Z-grade budget. But some to some degree transcends that Z-grade budget. And, and if you've seen the actual really awful ones... Then you look at don't look at the basement and go. This is actually not that bad by comparison. Okay. And I see what the appeal is. I also see why anyone would fucking hate this movie. It was also known as the Forgotten and Death Ward Number Thirteen, uh, and it's stealing a lot of stuff from much better movies here. Um, uh, if you've ever seen the Ninth Configuration by William Peter Blatty. There's a a thing here about like, wait, are they really the doctor or are they a patient that's totally taken from that movie, which was obviously done much better in the ninth configuration with Stacey Keach. Um, a, a new young hot nurse coming to the sanitarium after the head doctor has been murdered by patients who didn't mean to murder him. They just, you know, lost control. Uh, and where like none of the doors lock they're like no we don't put locks in the doors i'm like nobody would do that it's oh, a yeah. sanitarium <laughs> yeah, like the, 
Oh, I, I think there's four separate scenes where the nurse has someone wake up, or she wakes up and someone's looming over her. Can you imagine if, if they had just Terminator Two would have gotten off to a faster start if they had just put Linda Hamilton in this hospital? Yeah, because she would just would have left immediately oh, <laughs> instead of having to do pull ups with her with her bed. Um, I mean, this is super goofy, but it does have some kind of startling, like violent moments in it for sure. Yeah, I will give you that. Don't look in the basement. Was at least gory in an entertaining fashion, and it had a great surprise axe kill. That's just like it did. And okay, that person is now dead. Okay, cool, cool. That just happened. Don't open the door. Is nowhere near as good. No, um, it's not. And it's you know, I mean, nobody was expecting it to. Who gets this set? Um, even though by the same director here. Although I have to put out fun thing. Don't open the door. Is rated PG. I only know that because it threw that up before the movie, and that gave me a massive pause. Cause and this like, is more of a, like, it wants to be a Hammer movie or something, but it's so Z-grade budget American film that it couldn't possibly be. And ultimately just ends up being kind of fucking dull, well, despite a really hot lead who's, like, so, very charismatic. Um, I, I, I really... I will say that she's not a good actress. No. But she was trying really hard. Yeah. And that was fun. It was fun watching her really work at acting badly pissed. She has some of that. She has that Z grade, like, you're, there's something about you that stands out. And it's not your acting ability. And it's not just, wow, you're the hottest girl I've ever seen or anything like that, because you're not. But you have something yeah. that I see why you were cast in this yeah, role. Yeah, yeah, Susan Bracken here, where she finds out that her grandmother is, 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 her health is failing at her old family home. She goes there and finds out that all these people around her are all being like, no, 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 you don't get to bring her to the hospital. No, you can't do this. Her doctor, everyone's being super creepy. And there's something about dolls and mannequins. And I don't know, man, this is just dumb. It, it, uh, yeah, I I can't say anything good about either of these two movies. During Mile 22, you were talking about how you sometimes watch movies on 1.5 speed. That, that's kind of what I did. Oh, I did too. Yeah, I made it halfway in and was just like, I just... Well, let me just speed this up, please. There's uh, a bunch of bonus grindhouse trailers here, which of course those, that's always the best part of these sets. Uh, they're not; they have not been restored, but they're just like super gory, lots of nudity, like <laughs> twelve and a half minutes of those. Great thing to throw on at a party. Uh, there's six minutes of deleted scenes, also not restored. Uh, there's about three minute like like flip book of uh, production notes, uh, theatrical trailers. Audio commentary for Don't Look on the Basement, uh, believe it or not. Wow, they went to way more trouble than was necessary for these weird, crappy films. All right. So all that being said, uh, we're already at almost 50 minutes. So I'm going to put a stop and release a part two of this episode. Does that sound fair to you? Sounds fair to me. Yeah, we'll have a part two that I'll put out like uh, early next week. And uh, because, honestly, there will be... I think another week and a half until the next digital noise after that. So why the hell not where we will talk about some of the most fucked up movies I have seen this year that are really, really bad and arguably one of my top five favorite movies of the entire year that a lot of you don't know about and haven't seen. You know what? I actually agree with that assessment. Nice. (laughs) All across the board. 